we go into the workplace and yes, we want to belong, mm-hmm. right? Because because Brene Brown talks about belonging versus fitting in. Mm-hmm. But for people of color, it's really hard to belong. Yeah. Because I feel like a lot of workplace culture is set around whiteness. And so we're constantly just trying to fit in. Right. Thank you for joining us. You are now tuned into Trish Chat, a series that aims to normalize vulnerability through conversation. Our episodes promote meaningful dialogue around identity, culture, and real life stories. We are your hosts, Steph and Jess, and everything you'll hear in our episodes are based on personal experiences. Be sure to tune in every Monday to hear our latest episodes. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Trish Chat. My name is Steph, and I'm here with Jess. What's up, everyone? And this week, we're going to talk about believing in yourself. Before we do that, we wanted to share um, this, this. Is it called? Is it a card game? Is that what it's considered? Yeah. It's a card game that Jess found out about. Um, what's it called? It's called We Are. We're not really strangers. I saw it on. I got. I got a. It was an Instagram ad, but mm-hmm. I also saw it on Red Table Talk. Mm-hmm. Um, Red Table Talk is Jada. Pickett Smith's show with her daughter and her mom Mm -hmm. and she like basically endorsed this game yeah and Jess ordered it a while back months ago um and we we never got a chance to play it and yesterday we decided that we were going to play it and um I don't know do you want to talk about the like what the purpose of the game is yeah so if you actually google the game um and go onto the company website there's a there's a video of um strangers playing this game they they did a i guess a case study on it um and basically the point of it is they they have three sections and each section is just questions for the other person um and the point is to get to know each other and just to show that there's a lot of similarities there um and questions can get really deep they, yeah. they start off really slow and light um but when you're playing with a stranger you, you, if you watch the video online um it's just really playful yeah. I, I liked how they did it and you know it got deeper and it, it it asked the other person like to describe how they think about the person they're meeting and like questions around that and it's interesting what people like the perceptions people have off of just meeting someone and yeah. going off of their look yeah um but I bought it personally because I wanted to play it with my community, my friends and my family. And yeah, yeah. yesterday I was like, hey, Steph, let's play this game. And, you know, we've been married um, and we've been together for quite some time. So I figured uh, we know everything about each other. Like this is probably going to go really quick. But I don't know. I think I learned a lot about you and you learned a lot about me that we might have never talked about or maybe we yeah. did in the beginning. And um, it just got deep. Yeah, and so the the game has, uh, as just mentioned, three levels. Level one is perception. So we skip this one because it's like, if my space were still a thing, what would my profile song be? What about me intrigues you? And I can, um, I can, I can understand why this section exists because if you're playing it with a stranger, um, it's it might be too much to get into the other sections right away. Yeah. So this one might be super helpful to start off just to like really understand the how do you perceive me as a person yeah. versus 
who am I actually once you dig deeper? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that like I, these questions were like really funny and interesting. Jess and I stuck to the second part, which is called um, connection. And like some of the questions was, what lesson took you the longest to unlearn? What part of your life works? What part of your life hurts? If you have, when was the moment you realized that you weren't invincible? And like some of this or a chunk of this stuff, like you're not asking your partner this or your friends this all the time where it's like, what part of your life works? What part of your life hurts? <laughs> yeah, it's and not s- typical conversation at right. like a restaurant or bar. <laughs> yeah, or like what what lesson took you the longest to unlearn? Whereas mm-hmm. like Jess and I talk a lot about this stuff, but you know, I've never asked her, you know, what, what lesson mm-hmm. has like took you the longest. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like really interesting to talk about that. There was also... Um, two really interesting questions, which I think hit us differently. So if you've listened to our other episodes, you know that Jess doesn't have a relationship with her dad and I don't have a relationship with either of my parents anymore, but there were um, questions about, um, it was like, what is your father's name? And like, what's one thing that you want me to know about them? Mm -hmm. And like, what is your mother's name? And like, tell me the most beautiful thing about your mother. And we learned different things about each other's parents and like how that could have impacted us that we hadn't talked about before. So I think it's very, it's very interesting. And it's also, I think even if you don't have a relationship with your parent or your guardian, it still helps you to reflect on how they impacted you as a person. Because sometimes we try and disconnect ourselves and paint them as like they're terrible people or whatever. But like some of the positive qualities or the qualities that others like the most about us and that we like the most of ourselves, we got from that same parent that were like, mm-hmm. this person's terrible. Like, I can't believe this person would do this. I know you shared some stuff about your dad that like I kind of knew, but I didn't know like the deep stuff about the way he organized himself and how he had his own like routines and it just it spoke so much about how you have your own routines and how like diligent you are with like organizing your thoughts and your workload and I was like wow that makes a lot of sense like he you told me he was very well spoken and I'm like this is you yeah so my my dad English is not his first language both of my parents um came to this country in their 20s with Mm. one child and then you know grew their family and um, my dad was an engineer in Dominican Republic. He is not an engineer here. Mm-hmm. Um, he works a blue collar job. He works six days a week, 12 hours a day. And my dad would still come home every night and he was always reading. He would read newspapers. He would clip newspapers. He would write down, like if he didn't know a word, he would look up the word in the definition and like mm-hmm. highlight it, write it down. He was very, um, studious and, you know, my dad and I don't have a relationship anymore, but I think that, you know, as in a, a, a much more um, awakened adult, I can definitely appreciate the example that he set there and um, how committed he was to learning and the struggle that it is to work six days a week, 12 hours a day mm-hmm. and to come home and to like do that for yourself, um, like the example that that set. So I can appreciate that. Yeah. And it shed some light in the connection there. Yeah. uh, Which was really nice to to learn about you. Thanks. (laughs) 
Um, okay. So we wanted to focus this episode on believing in yourself. And um, it may not even be what we call it by the end of this. <laughs> yeah. But the whole point is that Jess and I have been having conversations recently and something that we have, we've always known this, but I guess it's just more prevalent or maybe we are more attuned to it is the fact that the the communities that we have around us, the people of color, our friends, um, and even ourselves, like how much we doubt ourselves. Um, and, and by I say doubt ourselves, I mean like I have friends who are incredibly talented, very smart, have accomplished so much in their lives. And I'm like, hey, I think you would be amazing to work, you know, where I work, or you would be amazing to work at like this tech company. And I see that imposter syndrome that like, oh, I don't belong there. I'm not qualified enough thought jump in of like, do you think I should apply? But do you think I have the skills? Oh, but do you think, mm-hmm. you know, and like the fear that sets in where they don't believe um, that they belong there. And I've been guilty of that. Jess, I think you've been yeah. guilty of that. Um, so just thoughting ourselves in terms of applying to jobs. I think Jess, you, you share a lot about the speaking up piece. I don't know if you want to talk about that. Yeah, I think that throughout my whole career, I've struggled with speaking up in in most work environments. Um, you know, whether it's a meeting, whether it's a one-on-one, whether it's like a creative session, trying to come up with ideas, like, you know, being <clears throat> a queer woman of color, you know, you have your own obstacles. And, you know, for me, I, I went my whole life just, I talk about this in other episodes, but I've kind of went my whole life just trying to be the best, if not better, and keeping my head down and not really like calling for too much attention. Um, And and what that has caused is, you know, this symptom of every time I enter a new space, this imposter syndrome kicks in where... I was kind of, it's, it's, again, it's not that someone was like, just keep your head down. It was just like, because of that, I go to these spaces and I'm like, all right, I'm not, I shouldn't be speaking up. Like, I'm not the smartest in the room. I don't look like everyone in the room. Um, let me just like absorb as much as I can. And then maybe later I'll speak up. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of the times, like I would consider myself very creative. I didn't always used to create, um, call myself creative. I think I put myself in a box, Um, or I let people put me in a box where people are like, you're very operational, you're very detail oriented, but in fact, I'm very creative. I have a lot of ideas and, you know, it wasn't until this last two years where I was put into scenarios where, you know, I did have to speak up where I did have to come up with ideas and I didn't speak up all the time, but slowly and surely, like I did in certain scenarios. Um, but you know, entering these spaces, it's like, for me, I just thought if I have this idea, like I would think of something, right? I'd be like, oh no, that's too basic. That's yeah. too simple. Like nobody's going to like that idea. <clears throat> and so I wouldn't say anything, right? It, and it would depend. It, w- it wouldn't even depend. It, it could be anyone in the room. And then somebody else would speak up and say that exact same thing. And somebody would be like, that's great. And then I'd be like, fuck, I thought of that idea before. And like, I didn't say anything. And then it's not about validation. It's more about like being disappointed in myself that I didn't say something. Yeah. Um, And so I think that, yeah, I think I've struggled with that forever. Just not, not 
speaking up because I didn't have the confidence to do that. And also because I, you know, look at the world. Like I'm not seen as equal yeah. as like my peers that yeah. are in these spaces. Yeah. Right. And so it's, it's such an internal conflict, right? Cause you want to like step up and show your worth and show your, like your skill sets, but it's such an internal struggle to speak up and take risks as they would say. Yeah. When I just didn't grow up that way, like the world doesn't, didn't give me that luxury to yeah. do that. So I don't have the toolkit to do that. Yeah. And I feel like I have more to lose. Mm-hmm. Because we do. Yeah. So that was just a long way of answering <laughs> that. But yeah, I've struggled with speaking up my whole entire life. I still struggle with that. Mm. Um, but I, I'm much more aware of it now where I think it takes me less time to make the decision to speak up or not. Mm -hmm. As before, I, I probably would have thought about it more and more and more and more and just not said anything. Yeah. I I think it boils down to, I'm going to speak for um, the people that I'm around because th those are the people that I know. And if, you know, if it applies to a more general population than it does. Mm -hmm. But I think that for um, our communities that we're constantly around and, and, and particularly the ones that are um, comprised of people of color, I see a lack of confidence. Yeah. Um, and that lack of confidence is not our fault or it's not, you know, that we're not trying. I think that lack of confidence comes from living in a world where you're constantly reminded as a person of color. And then if we look at it from an intersectional lens, if you are a woman of color, if you are a black woman, if you are a queer woman of color, if you are a trans um, woman of color, you know, how much marginalization you go through and how much you're reminded mm -hmm. that in this society you don't matter and that your your life is literally <laughs> at stake all the time. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that plays a big part in the way that we show up and in, and in unlearning a lot of that. Mm -hmm. It's just funny, right? Because like, I feel like everyone thinks about this. Like, I don't think there's anybody out there that is so confident in everything they do that yeah. they never hesitate to do what they want yeah. to do or they yeah. don't have anxiety before like speaking in public <laughs> or applying to a job or whatever. So it's just, it comes down to like faking it until you make it. And I just don't think we were taught that. I'm speaking this for, in regards to like the Linux community. Yeah. Like we're very upfront and in these scenarios yeah. where it's like, I used to go into a job interview and I might've not been qualified for some of the things on there. And I'd be like, well, I have to be truthful in like the things that I'm not qualified for. And, and although you do have to be truthful, I didn't necessarily have to go in there and be like, hey, I don't know how to do one through five. Yeah. Um, so I just want to put that out there. <laughs> yeah. There's other ways to say that or other ways to play up your skill set or other things on that job description that you don't necessarily have to highlight the things you don't know how to do. You can yeah. learn how to do those yeah. things. But again, it goes back to like having those resources to teach young folks or anyone how to do that. Yeah. We, I didn't have that. Right. Or even like, I, a lot of people will say that I'm an analytical person, but because analytical is a word that is typically used to describe men, mm -hmm. we're kind of like internalized to 
at least for me as a woman, when I see the word analytical, mm-hmm. I don't apply myself to that. Mm-hmm. And I've had to go through the process of unlearning that um, because of the fact that that's not tr- like that's not true. It's not only men that are analytical. Um, yeah. So it's 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 just even things of like seeing an analytical on a job description and being like, oh, yeah, well, I'm not analytical. You hesitate. So maybe, yeah. So maybe I just shouldn't apply to that. Yeah. Well, it's like all of my roles that I've had have required me to be very analytical. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's even that of like certain words that are typically used to describe um, particular sets of people that then we learn don't apply to us, even though like we could over index on that. And yeah. that that just like shits on your confidence um, when you're trying to enter the workforce, when you're like even trying to like speak to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, 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 the confidence piece we talked about, um, how the society that we live in contributes to that and, and the messages that we, those subtle messages that we learn, um, as we're growing up and even in the, in the workforce, like when you go into a company and you don't see women in leadership or people of color in leadership, when you don't, um, see them being hired. And when you hear like, oh, well, you know, we just have, we just need the right candidate for this role. Right. When you hear that sort of lingo and you're like, oh, so we aren't the right people to be in management. We aren't the right people to do these things. When you watch TV and you don't see any representation, when you go into different spaces and you don't see representation, like those are subtle messages that you then learn of like, I don't belong in that. Like companies are meant to be ran by white men planes are meant to be flown by white men right like the 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 things that we typically see and that cause us not to believe in ourselves when we when we get to the point where we're trying to go for those positions or even when it requires us to have a, a confidence where we believe in ourselves and our skills and i think the second piece that um that contributes to that is i i a lot of people of color that I've spoken to, their their parents, their guardians instilled in them that they have to be three times better than than white people they have to perform three times better because we're we're gonna get half as much um, or half as far as they get. And so I feel like we have this immense pressure that we put on ourselves in this really high bar and internal filter that we set on ourselves before we even speak up before we apply to something, before we go introduce ourselves um, to someone. And I think that 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 aspect that you're talking about, Jess, with like not sharing the idea and considering it basic, that's happened to me a lot because of the fact that I have this very high bar where I'm like, I want to share this idea, but I don't think it's good enough. Like it seems too simple. Like mm-hmm. I don't have it fully thought out. I don't have the evidence behind it. I don't have this behind it. And then someone else in the room is like, I think we should do this. And it's like, shit, like, yeah, I should have just said it. Yeah. Um, and so there's this, like, you're walking around in a world that like is constantly showing you that these subtle messages that you don't matter, that you're not good enough. And then you have this like really high bar that you have to set for yourself. Mm-hmm. That fucks with you. Like, you're constantly in a space where you are seeking perfectionism, right? Like I was raised to seek perfectionism, to always, you know, it's it's more than just doing your best. It's like 
try your damn hardest. And like that takes a toll on you because you'll never reach perfectionism. You will never reach that. And I think that for people of color, it's not easy for us just to be like, I'm going to be perfectly imperfect. Because as you mentioned, Jessica, we have a lot more to lose. And for some of us who are the only ones in a space, mm -hmm. you know, any little thing that we do represents an entire population of people. Um, and so I think that takes a big, big toll on our self-confidence and our ability to believe in ourselves. I, I know that you've like shared and I've shared the, the piece about um, sharing ideas. I would love if we can talk a little bit more uh, in, you know, in concrete examples of, you know, when we didn't believe in ourselves um, just to kind of really bring it home for people. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of my not believing myself, believing in myself um, scenarios fall in line within like the workplace or finding work. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, I talk about this a lot, but it's like, even though, like we, we just mentioned this, like applying to jobs, right? Like mm -hmm. I'll look at a job description and I'll be like, oh, I could do some of this, but then I'll find one thing that I can't do. <laughs> Right. And I'll, I will talk to you about it. I'm like, oh, I don't really know how to do this. Like they want X amount of experience in that one thing. And then I'll just like, like the self-talk, like yeah. it comes down to the self-talk. Like I just like, I'm not good enough. I shouldn't apply. Move on. And what happens there is that you just start looking at more junior level things, mm -hmm. right? Like I have a lot of experience in in my space, but I still, even, even with all the stuff that I've produced, even, even with having my own team, even with working in different industries, even with working with high level, um, stakeholders, I still have to work on my self-talk in, in telling myself that I'm good enough to just apply to a job. Yeah. So imagine it, it's a, it's, it's a, it's a journey <clears throat> here. It's, it starts with the applying, then you get called back or, or maybe you don't. Mm -hmm. You don't, you, you apply, you apply, you apply, and then you just don't hear back from all these things. And now it's even more self-talk that you're just like, yeah, I'm not good enough. How dare I even try to apply? Like yeah. I have to lower the bar for myself, even though I work really hard. And when I look at my peers who have the same exact experience, they might be doing bigger things or in these companies. And then, then I start comparing myself and I hate yeah. that. I don't like comparing myself to people. And so you go down this like negative cycle yeah. And then you get called and then you start having imposter syndrome over the interview process. And then you're like, I have to prepare this. I have to prepare. What if they ask this? What if they don't that? You know, what if I'm not good enough to answer X, Y, and Z? What mm -hmm. if they don't move me onto this? And then it, it just gets even deeper as you go closer into the interview process. So the whole process is just, there's so much anxiety in it. And the one constant thing in there is that throughout that whole thing, you don't believe you can do it, but you keep moving forward in hopes that someone will give you a chance, which is bullshit because nobody's giving you a fucking chance for shit. Employers get the better end of the deal in this. Like, I'm an awesome candidate. You are an awesome candidate. People listening to this, you are an awesome candidate. But we are so, like, brainwashed to believe that, like, we're not enough and that we're lucky to be selected to work at wherever we're working. And it's almost like, we trick these people into hiring us. Imposter syndrome. Right. 
Um, and so, you know, you get the job, you get into the space, now you have to prove yourself, right? Now you have to prove that you are the candidate that is worthy of being selected. Now you put so much pressure on yourself. No matter what level you're at, you feel that shit, right? And so then you go in and you're like, you're trying to learn, you're trying to adapt. You're the only one that is in that space that looks, the, you know, the way you do. Everyone else is, 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 is the majority. You're trying to relate. You're trying to create this rapport with your, your, your team, your manager. And then you're trying to, <clears throat> like, fit in, but also prove yourself. So imagine how much anxiety is around that. And then somebody's telling you, and I'm sure you've had this experience, like, I just want you to speak up more. I just want you to take chances. I just want you to do this. Like, you know, no, no idea is a bad idea. All those things. It's like, yeah, do that. But again, people don't understand that like for people of color, that is not a given. That is not something we are taught. That is, that is something that we're fearful of because again, it's this, this negative self-talk and never being told that we are good enough. Yeah. We've never been told we're good enough. Yeah, we're not. We've never even been shown that. Right. And so it, it's just so much harder for it almost pisses me off when somebody tells me that because they don't understand the complexities that go into that feeling. It's not just surface. It's so deep. It's it's years, years of this shit. But it's also centuries because it's it's not just. Uh, I, well, a, I mean, just for yourself yeah, as yeah. an individual. But yes. And I want to add to that in that it's not just like a people of color problem. There is bias that all of us have Mm -hmm. including managers towards people of color and so yeah you're gonna see a different when a woman of color speaks up and says you know i don't think this is a good idea then it's like oh you got attitude Mm -hmm. you know or i've been told i i was told um uh one day i remember i went into a meeting and you know, after this, this, like, this man walks up to me and he's like, can I give you feedback? And I was like, sure. And he was like, you know, I think that you were just, um, you know, you were just, he started making this gesture of like, when you wave your hand of like, keep going. And he was like, I think you were just being a little aggressive, um, aggressive, you know, in that meeting. And I was like, no, steam is coming out of my head Mm -hmm. because I'm like, here goes. And he, and I'm like, can you give me an example? Can you give me a concrete example of how I was aggressive? And he was like, well, you know, it's just like when someone would ask you a question, you would just like answer right away. And I was like, oh, so I was aggressive because I knew the answer to every question that I was asked. Mm-hmm. And that, that conversation ended very awkward, but that, that's the sort of stuff that we have to deal with where it's like, if I'm not prepared, then you're like, oh, she's sloppy. She's, you know, she's. She's just not smart enough. And people of color get that bias against them. Mm -hmm. Whereas now if I'm prepared and I'm answering the questions and I'm answering them in a confident way because I know my shit, then I'm too aggressive. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's constantly a thing where if you're overprepared, it's a problem. If you're underprepared, it's a problem. And having to live your life that way on top of code switching, Mm -hmm. right? Because we, we go into the, into the workplace and yes, we want to belong right Mm -hmm. because because Brene Brown talks about belonging versus fitting in Mm -hmm. but for people of color it's really hard to belong yeah because I feel like a lot of workplace culture is set around whiteness and so we're constantly just trying to fit in right and like on top even on, on top of whiteness it's like 
it's 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 set against like middle class upper class norms right mm-hmm. like i work in a in a client facing environment and i see that a lot of my peers connect with um clients where they talk about like oh yeah i'm taking my kids skiing and yeah i grew up skiing and snowboarding and and yeah i went to uh, this place when i was young and i went to that place and I was, and i'm like i have never been skiing in my life yeah so there's a disconnect like I didn't grow there, up doing that. and then you're like left not fitting right, in and or, being able to engage in that conversation, right? And so they might relate way more with the client than you do, and that right, that's your bottom line. That's right. like your pockets, right? And then and then you then the, the imposter syndrome starts setting in of like, oh my god, I'm not making a good impression on the client. Like I'm just not a good enough like, you know, whatever it may be. And there it goes not believing in yourself because of these norms that are set into place. <clears throat> I totally like went in there and just started talking no i love it no no that's great i think that that's great um but something just something sparked up in my mind when you said that um just around how you feel that way and like you mentioned like it's not just i don't believe it's just for people of color i think that we as humans all struggle to be confident and yes absolutely right yeah um but we talk about this in other episodes, this sense of perfectionism, like you just mentioned mm-hmm. a little while ago. Everyone is shooting for that, but nobody is talking about how they're not confident about X, Y, and Z. Nobody is talking about how like they don't feel good enough or they're struggling with these things. Like whether you hold privilege or not, we're all just trying to like Absolutely. going back to the fake it till you make it. You're just like, oh no, I got this. Or in those work settings, you're never, you never feel safe enough to talk to your peer and be like, yo, I'm super nervous about this. Like, I don't think I have what it takes to do this or, you know, asking for advice. Like not everyone has that with, with other people. And to your point, like relating with your clients, imagine for people of color going into these spaces feeling that way and wanting to confide in someone not feeling like they belong fit in with that crowd you're not going to confide in no anybody that you work with because you're not going to feel connected to them anyway Mm -hmm. so you are stuck in this like isolated alone like this loneliness that just overtakes everything and it just it's just a shitty feeling it's a shitty feeling to be like defeated in that way where you're just like, I have to accept that this is the way it is. Right. And, and, you know, I, I think you, you hit on a fair point. Like we're not saying that white men don't experience, you know, lack of self-confidence and, mm-hmm. and whatnot. And we can do a whole episode on like the expectations that we have of men in terms of they have to be confident. They have to like be calm. They have yeah. to like, not necessarily be calm, but like they have to have things under control. They have right. to, you know, be assertive. They have to, X and Y and Z and how that has an impact on this culture of toxic masculinity. That's an aside. Mm -hmm. Everyone feels those, those issues. But I also think that when you're a person of color, there's additional layers that are put onto that where it makes it like (laughs) just thinking about the, the workplace, it just makes it way more difficult to so even operator to like get that sense of self-confidence where, you know, if like 
yeah, oftentimes something happens and we we go and we tell ourselves a story, mm-hmm. right? We tell, oh, you know, that that may not be true mm-hmm. because we just have one little piece of like what happened and we we tell ourselves a story. But I think for people of color, we constantly have the question like, did that happen because <clears throat> I'm a woman of color? Did that happen because I'm a black man? Did that just happen because of this? Did that just happen because you know? And that is a shitty place to be in. Because then you, you, you're 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 scared to bring that up because then it's like, oh, you're playing that card. Mm-hmm. But then you're angry that you are not bringing it up mm-hmm. because you want justice and you want it to be dealt with. It's like such an internal conflict. Right. Right. And that's that's just to like excel at your job, right? To try to stand out and like yeah. do all that. But we were just watching a show. Think about people like your father who works six, six days a week where he's worked, right? And he was an engineer in, in DR mm-hmm. and he's not here, but he relies on, on that income from yeah. that job. He's been there forever and he's an older man. So I, I'm sure for him, like if he lost that job, he would be really stressed out. Yeah. We were watching a show about this Lanex woman. She was a mom, had to be in like her sixties and she was being abused at work, like long hours and She'd had to take work home with her. Like they were paying her unfair. They were timing her, her restroom breaks. And she didn't feel like she could speak up because the manager was very like, he was a racist, but he was very aggressive in the sense that he just didn't care about his employees. But the reason why she didn't speak up, kind of talking back to what we're talking about here, it is about not believing herself, but also like she was scared to lose her job because she had like, she doesn't have anything else to fall on. Yeah. And so in fact, she's taking on this extra labor and this abuse that she will forever have to take because for her in the show, it's like, she's this immigrant that has a job that, you know, doesn't speak the language too well. Like she relies heavily on this job and it doesn't matter how much she gets abused. She needs it. Mm-hmm. And so people take advantage of that. And so she didn't, she doesn't have the resources or even the tools of how to go about something like that, whether she needs to get a legal involved, HR, um, unionize, whatever, like those stuff are, those things are scary yeah. for people of color or for people of, that come from low income or who have one job and they're providing for their families. Yeah. So this, this shit is so layered. Oh yeah, for sure. In ways that like a lot of people don't understand that it's not just, it doesn't just stop with like taking risk and being more confident. It's like, I, it's I, a societal thing. I need this fucking job. Right. You know, like it doesn't like I'll be abused, but like I need to support my family. I right. need to do this if I can't lose my job. Right. And it, and it, it oftentimes like it comes around like. Well, why don't you be why don't you be more confident? Why don't you speak up more? Why don't you take more risks? And it's like. We need to change the system before we like, mm-hmm. you know, start asking individuals to change, because like you said, it is. There's all, there's structures in place. There's like many, 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 many systems that benefit from people not believing in themselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if, if, if these systems are, are in place in so many different places, you're never going to believe in yourself. You're going to spend your whole life thinking you're worthless, that you're not going to ever be the status of your higher ups and like, yeah. You know, and thinking about what you said and when we layer in like coming from like a low income, a low socioeconomic <clears throat> background, 
or coming from a low socioeconomic background as a person of color, you learn to live your life in survival mode. Mm -hmm. And when you learn to live your life in survival mode, I think, you know, going back to the episode that we did with Lindsay and being, um, getting comfortable with being uncomfortable and the point that Lindsay brought up about not tying yourself to an outcome. I feel like we tie ourselves to an outcome a lot. Like you mentioned, like, I have to get this job. I, I have mm -hmm. to do this. I have Absolutely. to prove myself. I have to like, I have to keep this job. I have to bring this income. I have to do X. I have to do Y. And I think that that have to causes like one, a big level of anxiety, but two, it does lead to this, this thing of perfectionism mm -hmm. of you. You always have to be the best. You have to do this. You have to like life becomes a have to. Yeah. And that fucks with your self-confidence a lot, mm -hmm. a lot, a lot. Yeah. Um, I want to, I feel like we've brought everyone down. <laughs> um, I want to talk about the ways that, because Jess and I struggle with this. We always will. It's a process. And so I want to talk about the ways that we deal with that, with like believing in ourselves our self-confidence, especially as women of color, queer women of color in this system mm -hmm. that like constantly reminds us that, yeah, that we don't matter or that there's no reason for us to have that self-confidence or believe in ourselves. Yeah. I think, I think we're, we're doing it here. It's just like normalizing mm -hmm. vulnerability and that, that goes further into normalizing being vulnerable about not being confident and talking to your communities and asking people how they're doing when it comes to that at work. If, if, if you're listening here and you, you have a team or you work in a space where you are the majority, um, creating that dialogue with the people around you to say like, we don't have the same experience, but I want to see how I can help you. How can I be an ally to you? How can I, how can I be vulnerable so that you can be vulnerable with me? Yeah. I think the minute we normalize the fact that we are all humans who want to be loved, who want to belong, who we all go through the same type of emotions in regards to being confident about something in our life. Like there's no way there's one person out there that's confident about everything. Yeah. If we can try to relate and normalize that conversation, I feel like. I don't know, for me, knowing that if I'm in a room with a bunch of people who tell me they struggle with this, I don't know, I feel less alone and I feel more confident about whatever we're doing, yeah. right? It's like, I have nothing to lose because everyone here is struggling with the same right. thing. Right. So I, I think that, that that is a powerful tool to have and a powerful way to truly make impact. And it's really something that I've tried practicing within my communities um, through, through our podcast and outside of our podcast to like truly ask people, how are you doing with this? Like, are you feeling X amount of ways about your new job or your new relationship or your mm -hmm. new whatever? It's like, chances are you're not going to feel good about whatever new thing you're doing yeah. all the time. And so it's important to talk about that stuff. And I just think that we, we see people and, 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 you know, we talked about this. We talked about how your first impression of me was like, 
that you that I had it all together. Yeah. That I looked very confident and I might had my fucking life together. And I was like, boy, were you fucking wrong? <laughs> like I was not any of that. I, you know, it was that very much fake it till you make it. But I but I do think that there were a lot of areas in my life where I was confident. Yeah. Um, and that's probably what what came out more than anything. Yeah. Um, but I think the minute you started getting to know me and I started feeling comfortable talking to you, um, you slowly started seeing the areas where I wasn't confident and I was being honest with you mm -hmm. in, the, in the ways I wasn't. And you've truly helped me in believing in myself. Mm -hmm. And so I've been super fortunate to have you not only as a partner, um, but as a friend who calls it how it is. And, you know, you validate me in a lot of those ways and saying, no, Jess, like you have what it takes. It's just your negative self-talk. Like you need to believe in yourself. And that's what it comes down to, right? Like it's, it's the self-talk, it's the self-love. Like, I don't think that we, a lot of us, I don't think a lot of us love ourselves. Mm -hmm. I think that we put so much validation in what other people think about us. And the minute that those people aren't validating us, they're not on our team, they're not being vocal, they're not picking us. We start with that negative self-talk and saying, well, I didn't get a good job or an email saying this or that person's not constantly chasing the A. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's a fucking cycle, man. Like it's, it's, it's again, layers to it. And then at the end of the day, when you're not feeling that validation, however you need to feel it, your confidence is shit. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's, it's super important to normalize the vulnerability around just admitting that you're not confident in whatever you're not confident in and sharing that with people. But yeah, that's not easy to do. I think, um, on top of that, um, and something that I've tried to do, particularly with my, um, male friends of color, I feel like I see them lack the self-confidence a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, it's just reminding them yeah. of what's, what, what I see special in them and you know i'll say this in the context of like entering you know jo specific jobs or or specific companies but this applies to everything i think that we sometimes tend to hold ourselves to like the, the school that you went to the companies that you worked at the type of like um what you need to do to have gotten analytical skills and like what you need to do to have gotten interpersonal skills or project management skills or all this stuff. And we attribute that to like, oh, you have that because you worked at this place or because you have this many years of experience. And for a lot of us who grew up in, um, in, in, in low-income households or with like, who are first gen, who like, we have all those skills, right? Like yeah. think about what it means to like be 16, 17 years old and navigate the college application process and find financial aid for yourself and like keep that up for four years what it means to like navigate uh, finances, a 401k, all the stuff that like, it's not that your parents didn't have the skills is that they didn't go through that. So mm -hmm. they don't know that. Think about what it means to like have had to translate for your parents, mm -hmm. you know, at a doctor's office or legal a legal worker like when someone's like can you tell your mom this and you're like mm -hmm. okay let me try and find the words to like explain this to them like that takes a certain skill set and yeah maybe that's that's 
not necessarily something that you put on your resume, but I, I say this to my friends as a, as a confidence booster of like, you have all those skills, you mm -hmm. have all of them. And it shows in the work that you've done. It's just that you don't consider that to be, you're ashamed of that because mm -hmm. we grew up shaming ourselves for that. Yeah. When in fact, this, this has made us the amazing, you know, able to think on our feet, you know, like super creative, great at project management, great at execution, great at strategizing, right? Like that's what's made us that. Yeah. Well, that's because you had to plan like, okay, what's this going to look like for, you know, for my mom or like, what well, if I do this, like, this is the backup plan that I need. And this, like, we grew up thinking a certain way and that has impacted the way that we go into the workforce and like <laughs> the amazing employees that we are. Yeah. I grew up waiting for the other shoe to drop. I, I was always on that survival mode and just even thinking about like raising your your siblings like being there for them and like the things that your parents asked you to help them with mm -hmm. as a whole yeah yeah that there's yeah there's so much yeah. skill set that you learned out of that that you will never tie it back to that because right. it's not um it's not seen as as like a necessary skill set on a job description right right and, you know, I, I grew up with both of my parents, so I had a, a you know, different upbringing than, than you did. But even just thinking about, like, when my parents would come to me and be like, ¿Qué, qué quiere decir eso? Mm -hmm. Or when they would ask me or my siblings, like, can you call, can you call yeah. the cable company and ask about this? Can you call the phone company and ask mm -hmm. about this? Can You're you, nine years old. <laughs> right. Can you figure out why this looks like that yeah. and, like, what that means? And you having to read through the fine print. Like, those are skills that, you, like, that's trauma in a way because mm -hmm. you're acting as an adult, as a child, yeah. but that, that's a skill set that you've also developed. And again, we shame ourselves for that, but we also don't recognize like the amazing skills that we bring to any place because of the fact that we, you know, that teaches you to be mindful of things that teaches you to like, um, to plan ahead, to think ahead. And no, you shouldn't operate from a place of trauma mm -hmm. for your life and from a place of survival. But I do think that there is a lot of valuable things that we've learned that we don't necessarily give ourselves credit for because yeah. we kind of just forget or we try and like put it on the back end of our mind. So I guess, you know, the, the things that we've shared are one normalized vulnerability <clears throat> in a sense of if you're, if you're not feeling confident about something or you're, you're struggling Talk to your talk to your community about that. Talk to the people who you know you can be vulnerable around um, about that and share that with them. And you know, you being on the receiving end of that, like, tell your friends what, what's special about them. Tell your friends like the 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 greatness that you see in them because we don't do enough of that. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that contributes to like the lack of self confidence and like the, you know, the inability to, for, for a lot of us to believe in ourselves because yeah, it should be something that you see in you. But sometimes when, when someone says like, you know, you have this amazing skill set or you have this amazing quality about you, mm -hmm. it, it then, it kind of starts like a downstream effect for us where then we start thinking more about that, right? About what, what am I good at? What am I amazing at? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And it goes such a long way. Like, oh, like, it means so much when I hear a friend tell me, like, like, Jess or Yessie, like, you're, like, I appreciate the fact that you've done X, Y, and Z. Or, like, shout out to you. What you just did was amazing. Yeah. Or, you know, just, just those things versus hearing it through the grapevine that 
like somebody else thinks you're awesome. Like hearing it firsthand just goes such a long way. Yeah. And it's our job to empower our communities. Yeah. Um, and one other thing, that. just like, and again, this, this kind of contradicts what we were talking about earlier and just like, we're not taught how to necessarily be confident and take risks. But I think as you start to do the work and uncover the fact that, yeah, be honest with yourself, you're not confident. Um, but when that happens and you're having that imposter syndrome or that moment where you're like, I can't do this, I can't do this, I can't do this. You know, talking, like for me, it's gotten easier for me to like recognize that and be like, oh, I'm not good enough for this. And it'll it'll be a shorter time. But now, now I just do it because I'm like, fuck it. Like I have nothing to lose. If I truly believe I don't have what it takes, if I end up succeeding in this, then I will prove myself wrong. And the, and the more you put yourself in those positions of just being like, I'm not confident in this, but I can be. But if I put myself through this scenario, this scenario, this scenario, you start building confidence through doing those things because we don't put emphasis or we don't see value in just trying something. Yeah. And I think for me, putting myself out there, applying to those jobs, showing up in those spaces, having those conversations with people I might have never had conversations with gives has built more of a confidence for me in other areas of my life that I probably would have never had had I not tried those different things, even though I was so fucking scared to do it. But knowing for me, like I know that wherever I enter, people are not confident in something. And it's kind of like that, um, that saying when like public speaking, they pretend everyone's in their underwear. It's like, (laughs) it's like that. It's like pretend everyone in this room, it's not really pretending. No, everyone in this room is insecure about something. You're not alone. And you're not alone. And so you walk into that space and you're like, I'm going to give it my best shot. Yeah. I, I just think you learn so much about yourself through that. Um, so I would just add that uh, as one of the things. Um, I, I would add another piece to that because um, as a woman of color working in tech, I think there is a lot of imposter syndrome that I face and there is a lot of um, a lot of the stuff that we talked about earlier in the episode. And I don't want anyone to walk away and be like, okay, I'm going to go into work and I'm going to take the risk and I'm going to do this and I'm going to, you know, I'm going to tell people what I think and I'm going to be like, I know you all lack self-confidence. Like that, that's not the point here. Like there still is a system, right, that marginalizes us. There's still, we still work at companies where like the majority of leadership are white men, right? Like that's still the case and that still does impact you. But I think that finding your community so that you can talk about that is important because you may go into work and say, you know what I, my, you know, what I'm going to do is I'm going to live from a place of integrity. I'm going to act from a place of integrity. I am going to, you know, set boundaries, you know, and that's going to help me with like believing in myself um, in terms of like what I'm willing to do, what I'm not willing to do, you you still are operating in a system that is going to marginalize and like suppress you. And so talking to your community about that and people who can relate, I think is very important because it helps with that not feeling alone. And I think that walking into places where you are faking it until you make it and you have to do that 
for 12 hours every day, five days a week, or however many days you work, it's going to wear you down. And so it's important to um, be honest about that. And when you do have the opportunity to speak up, and if you do have um, a manager or a team that is um, supportive, you know, speaking your truth and asking for what you need. Yeah. Um, like I was, I was told, I was told like, I would just really want you to take more risk. You know, I want you to like be assertive in the things that you want. And, you know, I told the, the manager who said this to me, I said, you know, thank you so much for, for that feedback. I do want to let you know that as a woman of color, I was not raised to, um, take risks. I was raised to play it safe because of the circumstances that I grew up in. And as a woman of color and as one of the few women of color, on this team, on this like broader team, et cetera, I am held to a representation, whether I want to or not, that I'm representing yeah. a full group of people. And so if you would love for me to take more risks and be more assertive, I need you to create the head, the, 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 like the, the space for me to do that. And I need to have a conversation about what it would mean for me to take that risk and make a mistake. Yeah. Right. But again, I had the I had a, a person who would be receptive to that and, mm -hmm. and speak to me about that. Not everyone does, but if you do have that, mm -hmm. you know, having a constructive conversation around, yeah, I would love to take risks, but here's what I'm up against. Right. So let's talk about what that could look like for me if if that's if that's what you would like me to do. Yeah. And I think your experience and and I think for you is just having so much of that happen to you already and mm -hmm. being told that you were just like fed up in a sense. You're like, I'm not going to filter myself anymore. I'm just yeah. going to be honest. And I, I remember when you did that, I feel like you felt very free after you said I, that. I felt very free because I, I spoke my truth again a year ago, three years ago, I would have been like, absolutely. Right, yes. And then right. come on and be like, I can't take risks. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to fail. Yeah. Then what, what is it going to look like? They're going to be like every, every brown woman in here is a failure. Right. right. Or like, They're yeah, not gonna, I'm not going to hire another remember brown Remember the last one we yeah. hired. Right. Yeah, and right. so for me, speaking my truth is important. Um, and putting myself in an environment where I can do that is important. And that's a privilege to be able to choose what environment, mm -hmm. you know, and it's not perfect, but to choose what environment I can be in where I can speak that truth is important to me. So that's also something that if you do have the, the privilege of being able to say, you know what, this environment that I work in, this is not, this is not it. And I need to be in a place where I can, you know, fully be myself and they understand, you know, they understand and they're creating, they're making space for everyone then that's important too. Yeah. Because it's really hard to work on believing in yourself when you, this is, you know, society is not going to change anytime soon, mm -hmm. right? Even though we're making steps towards that. But to deal with that in society and at work and to suppress and like, yeah, you know, you, you have to try and like change what you can. Yeah. And like, you using that in in regards to like the workplace but also telling your friends and your family what you need yeah right so you're you're it's a two-way thing you can be there for that other person asking them how they're feeling how they can help but you also taking that mm -hmm. that initiative to be like if you're asked how you're doing and you wanting you needing someone being vulnerable and saying hey i'm not I need help with this. And like, I really need your support in this way. Yeah. Cause I'm 
I'm pretty sure that whoever you're saying, if they're a good friend or, or whoever, yeah. they're going to show up for you. Yeah. The way, if, if you tell them straight up what you need. Yeah. So. Yeah. So that's that on that. <laughs> that's that on that. Yeah. Anything else, babe? That's it. Awesome. Well, hopefully you made it this far. Um, <laughs> and people, people shut it off mid-episode. Mid Listen, we can tell when people shut it off. I have all the uh, the statistics behind every episode, so <laughs> I know who you are. No, I'm just kidding. no, we I don't. Do, I don't know who you are, but I do see like who drops off, like how many people can drop yeah, off or not. Not if you specifically dropped oh, off. I see you. Stop it. That is not true. I'm kidding. Um, but yeah, no. So thanks for listening. Um, as always, we we ask that you subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. Um, and just share with your community anybody you feel would enjoy this this episode or our podcast. Um, and feel free to send us a, a DM on Instagram if you have any topics that you want to hear. Um, but until until next time, then bye. Peace.